finally back and on the air because with the sound, we're so glad to be back and so thankful and blessed to be able to get back in on this because we truly missed it and we're thankful, very thankful. But uh, today I have with me in place of Pastor Dennis because he's had a family emergency and we're praying for him and his family. With me is my mother, Amanda Mattingly. Hello, everybody. Introduce yourself. I'm Amanda. I'm with the Life Without an Addiction podcast, so everybody check it out, too. They'd like to know who you are. I'm Amanda Mattingly. You said my name. (laughs) Who are you as a person, Amanda? (laughs) I am the mother of Jalen, Tristan, and Brady. Do you have a wife of Michael? Do you have, you might want to specify <laughs> Michael, because <laughs> my name is Michael too. <laughs> Michael, not Mike. Rephrase that, because it's still sounded bad. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Mattingly, there we go. There we go, okay. So, yes, this is my mother, <laughs> who the, whom birthed me, and I look just like her. Okay. So, since Pastor Dennis is not able to be on this podcast today, you're going to have to answer his questions. Is that okay? Oh, boy. (laughs) We have two questions that were asked, and one of them is, how can we explain Romans 3, 2, which is, much in every way, first, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. What do you think that means? I don't know. Okay. I mean, honestly, because you can interpret it a couple different ways. Well, how do you interpret it? We'll go that way. Reread it. Much in every way, first, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. The Jews trust the every word of God is how I would interpret it. So when you think of that verse, what stands out to you the most? Trust in the word of God. I like that. Okay. Number two, do you know any tricks to help remember what you read in the Bible? No, I have that problem. Like, I can read something, and then five minutes later, I forget it. The only thing I do before I read my Bible is I pray that God helps me remember it. Because, like like I said, and I know a lot of people have that problem. Like, they can read it, and then we you don't remember it. Or only certain parts stick out to you. Yeah. So a couple tricks that I have learned is, for one, I pray before I read the Bible because asking him to guide me in the Bible, I feel like helps me the most. And it's because it's where he wants you to read the Bible. And that's so, to me, that's why I think I remember it the best. Another way I try to remember the Bible is, like right now, I'm in the book of Mark. And sometimes I will read that book three, four times, however many times it takes for me to remember it. Because reading it once, some of them are so long that I think it's hard to remember, Mm -hmm. hard to retain. So I break it. I I do a chapter a day, and it makes sense to me. That's just kind of what I do. But That's what I do. I do a chapter a night. That's what I do. And I think it's so much easier instead of a couple chapters. I mean, some can't. I don't know, though, because sometimes I'll get to reading it, and I can't put it down. (laughs) So I keep on... like I'll just keep on going that's kind of I usually do that sometimes with some if they're a little bit longer and I notice I'm getting tired I know I'm not gonna remember it so I I break it apart another trick that I have heard people do 
is like they find different games. So like memory games and they'll find it based on what book or what they're reading. And so it's kind of like a little quiz. And sometimes um, before what me and Michael used to do, we're sometimes we still do it, but we read it like he'll read it and I'll listen. And then when we do that, he'll ask, well, what do you take from this? And then I'll be like, oh, okay. So I know I have to really focus. And sometimes that really helps retain it. I I got the Bible app and where they read it to you. That helps me remember it because, like I said, if I read it, I don't. I don't remember it. So I have the Bible app and it reads it to me. Yeah, that's kind of – I like the Bibles with the commentary in them. Like yes. Mine, it doesn't necessarily have a commentary in it, but, like, it has, like, an overview. Mm-hmm. So it'll kind of tell me basically – what that book is about and I that helps me a lot to better remember it a lot better so to get started today is bible stories different kind of stories that really stood out to me the most and someone forgot to do it I reminded her I I did but she did not didn't find any stories I've been busy making your lasagna that you didn't bother share with us today yeah it's pretty good too (laughs) Yeah, See, that's how, that's how it's you real want. good. Had a lot of mozzarella on it, good and brown. <laughs> did you have any garlic bread while you're at it or a salad maybe? Yeah, I did. <laughs> you can't share. See how you are. I'm not going to share my beef stew. Yeah. I'll just heat up some lasagna. <laughs> Bye. No more cookies for you. <laughs> All right. So the first Bible story is the story of Elijah. So I'll read that story. So we can remember. The Bible story of Elijah is found in the Old Testament. In the first book of Kings, chapter 17 and 18, Elijah's story begins by introducing the situation for the people of Israel. They had been governed by kings for numerous years, and several of these kings had been evil. God was troubled with what the people were experiencing, and he delivered his prophet, Elijah, to guide them out of corruption and suffering. Before Elijah arrives in Israel, God sends a drought as he is so displeased with the people. Elijah had been residing out in the desert where there was a river with drinking water, and God had sent ravens to bring him food. Eventually, the river also dries up, and God instructs Elijah to go to the home of a widow who will provide him with food. When Elijah comes to the town of Zarephath, He sees the widow and asks her to get him some water and bread. She replies that she only has a small amount of flour and oil and is collecting sticks so she can cook this last portion of bread as the last meal for her son and herself. Elijah assures her that God will not allow their food to diminish until the rain returns. The widow trusts Elijah and their food lasted until it rained again. Sometime later, the widow's son becomes ill and passed away. The widow was very troubled, believing that Elijah was the reason for this tragedy. Get my breath here. Though Elijah was blamed by the widow, he attempted to bring the boy back to life by praying to God. In a miraculous event, Elijah heard, God heard Elijah and answered his prayers and brought the boy back to life. When Elijah returned the boy to his mother, the woman could recognize that Elijah was a man of God And she was amazed. So, now, question number one. 
What do you take? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> what do you take from that story? That the woman blamed Elijah for her son dying, and then God heard his prayers and brought him back to life. I take and that And then too. also the food, that God wouldn't let him go without food. I like that. I do see that. And so the story continues. That's the first half. As Elijah confronts the evil king, Ab, about being the cause of problems for the people of Israel, Elijah challenged Ab to a demonstration of his deity, Baal versus the God of Elijah at Mount Carmel. The challenge is to offer sacrifices to their respective deities and see which starts a fire to prove their divinity. Ab's prophets pray for hours to Baal, but nothing happens. When it's Elijah's turn, he boldly drenches the sacrament with water to display his supreme trust in God to start the fire despite being wet. Then Elijah begins to pray, O Lord God of Abram, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, our God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. And so I'm going to stop there for a minute. The one thing I really love about this story is what Elijah begins to pray because it shows true trust of his faith. And despite what everyone else is saying, he still, he still begins, he still trusts God. And by being able to start the fire, despite being drenched what that's amazing and that that truly stands out to me because it's like it's a reminder that even in this life whenever everything around you is just soaked it's drenched and times are tough you can't seem to get out of it you can still pray and god will light that fire that you need yep he will help you all you gotta do is believe okay once my cameraman decides to Figure out which story we're doing. Is it going to be that one? Okay. <laughs> yep. I think we figured it out. The Tower of Babel. Now, the Tower of Babel is about the descendants of Noah lived in Mesopotamia and Babylon. They settled in a land named Shinar. The population was growing, and they all spoke one language. The people decided to build a tall, proud symbol of how great they made their nation. The Babylonians wanted a tower that would reach to the heavens so they could be like God and would not need him. They began to construct a great, a great ziggurat. I'm going to pause there. What do you think is going to happen? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out what that word ziggurat is. <laughs> that would be a Google question. I actually don't yeah. know either. Um Despite the points, <laughs> what else do you take from that? What is he doing? I don't know. <laughs> it's just like, okay, so our producer here. He's messing with our, our stuff. So we have our, I had written the stories out to remember them and to study a little bit because this actually was supposed to be done last week. And despite how hard we tried to get this published, our equipment was not working. No, and I, I think God didn't want it to work, honestly. I don't think he did either. I think he wanted us to take time because despite the week, the week that we were gone not publishing anything, we still worked hard to get to where we are today. And right. studying, we have a new podcast coming out that is 
not going to say when, but we're working on it. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And then we have so many other things coming up that we're truly excited for. Kind of a surprise. I, I can't wait. Yes, yours is finally going to be published after. I, I got the one published away. and then technical <laughs> difficulties. That, that was the last one. Yeah. So, yes, um, we've been working, been busy. But what I do take from that, uh, from the first half of the message, is that, for one, they're trying to be better than God. They don't, they're trying to get to where they don't need God. And that is, and to me, never the biggest happen. problem. So that is that well, will never happen. That's Mm-mm. that's why we chose these stories is to show you, you know, ones about faith, ones that have a good story that we may not pay so much attention to. And so I'll keep on reading and pause it to discuss a little bit. But for this next half, it's God did not like the pride and arrogance in their hearts of the people. God caused the people to suddenly speak different languages so they could not communicate and work together to build a tower, which is ultimately what the ziggurat means. Right. Figured that out. (laughs) This caused the people to scatter across the land. The tower was named the Tower of Babel because the word Babel means confusion. This story is a powerful reminder of how important it is to obey God's word and not think that we can be successful without him, which is Ultimately, why I chose that one. Because, truth be told, we need God in our lives. Yes. Every so, day. Now I'm going to ask you. You're in the hot seat, okay? Uh-oh. I'm going to do what I did to Michael. You're in the hot seat. Okay. So, the question is, is name a time in your life that you felt like you did not need God. Well, like with back whenever I was partying and stuff, I felt like I didn't need him. Like I was big and bad and didn't need him. How did that work for you? It didn't work very well. What happened? Well, look, I was addicted to pain pills for how many years? So, now, but that half the story, how do you feel now? Now that you're where you are today, how do you feel? Actually, it's amazing. Like after I got off, got off the pain pills, it's it's amazing. It's like a new life. Like I feel closer to God than I ever have. Now, the reason I asked that is because we all have our own stories, our own traumas, our own testimonies to how God has worked in our life. And this is kind of what me and Pastor Dennis do. We kind of break apart, discuss, and talk about these times in our lives because. Just because we're where we are today, we're doing this podcast does not mean at all that we're absolutely perfect, that we don't have testimonies of ourselves because we do. And so. Okay, so when did you? I was late on that. Mm-hmm. So the time in my life was, it was right before me and Michael got together, which we've been together for about six years now, six years this year. But anyways, sum up the story here before they yell at me. Um. So the time in my life was I did the same thing, went partying, drank, and I didn't end up with an addiction myself, but it could have gone to that point. And thankfully, God broke me out of that before it got to that point because I had drunk so much that I do not remember to this day, about seven years later, I do not remember what happened. I don't remember a thing about it besides being blacked out and waking up the next day. And to me, in that time of my life, I was only 13 years old. 
I'm 21 now, so it was probably longer than that. But being that young and living that kind of a life, I wasn't going to amount to anything. I was not going to school like I was supposed to. I was lying to my parents about what I was doing, where I was going. And that is not the kind of life that I would want my kids to live. And so, you know, my parents had no idea what was going on, but that something we was did. going on. We oh, did. you didn't? Yeah. You didn't say anything. I know what you were doing. So, how did it make you feel? What? But what I was doing, lying it, about it. It made that. me mad because the, the crowd you were with, I knew what you were doing. And even though I would, like, talk to people and be like, oh, don't let her do this, you know, watch out for her and stuff like that, make sure, you know, no, they wasn't. Exactly. They were lying then. It was just, it was a mess. And now... About probably longer than seven years. But we are at this point today. Not perfect. No. Kind of some of that story. But the next story is Jesus comes a storm. So let's take a look at the story. The symbol behind the story of Jesus calming the storm should be great encouragement and hope for anyone facing a storm in life. After preaching to large crowds near the Sea of Galilee, Jesus and his apostles took a boat to the opposite shore to find some time and solitude to rest. As they crossed the sea, a storm with wind so great that the apostles thought they would die. Jesus was below deck sleeping throughout the storm, and the apostles rushed to wake him and asked why he didn't care. Jesus woke up and told the storm to be still, and the wind stopped immediately. The apostles were shocked and still lacked faith that Jesus was the Son of God, who even the winds and waters obey. So, what do we take from that? Jesus can calm any storm. I meant in our life. Yeah, he can, like, no matter how bad it is, we just pray and believe in him, and he's got control. Yes, that's ultimately, like, with my story. Jesus was the one who calmed my storm. You know, it could have been entirely a different outcome, but Jesus brought me out of that and made me who I am today, just like with any of us. Yes. He is there. He's working behind the scenes, and we don't give him the credit that he deserves. No. You know, he calmed your storm. You're doing so much better. You're working hard to be where you're at today, overcoming your addiction, a day-by-day thing. Yeah. Just like with mine, my life. Um, he is there every time, every day, working together, putting the puzzle pieces together that even though I don't see them, he's there. And so I have written, and I find it very important, is the meaning behind Jesus calming the storm. So the Lord's mastery over creation is another sign that he is the Messiah and is divine. Commands to the sea and waves can only be issued by God. Job 38, 8 through 11 and Psalm 65, 5 through 6. Jesus was asleep because as a man, he needs his rest. In his incarnation, he assumed all the natural actions of the flesh, of which sleep is one. The image of Christ and his disciples in a boat is traditionally used to illustrate the church. God both permits storms and delivers us through them so that we can see his protection more clearly. Christ's rebuke of the storm is also an illustration of his calming the Thames in the human soul. Thames, I can't say that word. But anyways, he's calming the human soul, which he does daily for us, and we don't even see it. 
Yep. So, think about a time in your life, and I'm sure you probably, with your addiction, you have a lot. <laughs> probably. Talk about a time that Jesus calmed your storm and what you did about it. Well, like with my addiction, just like with me and your dad, we were like button heads and we were fighting. It was a daily battle about money. I mean, you name it. Like, it was a daily fight. And now he came, Jesus came in and calmed the storm. We get along better than ever. Like used to, he wouldn't text me and be like, hey, you know, I just wanted to talk to you. I missed you. And now he does. He'll call me and miss me and, you know. Jesus just calmed the storm between us. and Did it ever um, worry you at any time in your life that where you might have divorced a time or two? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Quite a few times. But how did you guys overcome them? Jesus, I put God back in my life. I God's leading my life. and So the reason I ask these questions is because with life, you know, we got to be personal and talk about the hardest times in our life because that's that's real. It's our story. It's who we are. And so I can say the same thing. There's times that me and Michael were, we'd butt heads so much. I'm just like, oh, I want to strangle that man and drive me crazy. But, you know, God does because we get so far away from God that those things happen. The, they, the aggravation, the times where you're just, you question yourself, you know, what do I do about the situation? How do I go about it? But ultimately, God calms the storm. Ultimately, he's there for us. He's working day by day with us. And that's the thing. We have to keep that. We have to keep him in our boat. We have to keep him with us and to continuously working on our faith because that's our God and we need him. So thank you guys so much for being with us for watching us and we are so sorry that we have not been able to publish but we can say for a fact we are back and we are working to get the podcast and lives up because we miss you guys and we can't wait to see you again